podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, so lots and lots of talk about Roma, about their ultras and about the build-up to this game against Liverpool next week. Um, We wanted to get a bit more of an insight into Roma, into the ultras culture and into how people feel about that in Rome, really. And um, for anyone that reads The Times, they may well have seen a piece from Gabriel Marcotti this week, a Times columnist and also ESPN senior writer. Um, Gabriel, we thought we'd get you on the phone just to have a chat about that, really. I mean... Lots of people um, are making the trip for the first time from Liverpool to Rome. There's, you know, there's a younger generation of fans who, you know, won't remember sort of 1984 and and what happened then between Liverpool and Rome. Could you, could you tell us a little bit about about this culture that exists around Rome as ultras and how it's perceived in Rome as well, really? Yeah. So, and you know, and I want to put this out there. I'm, I'm not. I'm by no means an, an expert on on uh, on ultras culture but i've have spoken to a ton of people um you know over the past over the past week um and i think i have a fairly good fairly good handle on this um and as i wrote in in the times piece roma's ultras were have been traditionally and it has to do with the kind of fan base that the club attracted um they, they had a traditionally been working class, uh, left leaning, um, and sometimes far left leaning, uh, supporters. Um, that was certainly the case throughout the, the, the well, from, from the day the club was, was founded, uh, Lazio, the big rivals were, were far more, um, alienated with, uh, with the right, which in, in Rome obviously means the, 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 the fascist, right. Um, now, and that was certainly the case in, in 84 when, when Liverpool visited um, for, for the European Cup final. Uh, that started changing and um, in, the, in the mid-80s, I'd, I'd say. And then you saw more sort of ideological right-wing groups, which also led to a lot of tension and a lot of fighting um, between ultras groups themselves. Um, for a time probably the majority of ultras groups were ideologically right of center. And I think what we've seen though, in the last, what I was told, um, in the last sort of 10 to 10 to 15 years is there's groups now, which are completely apolitical. Um, they really don't care left or right. Um, they're just simply people who, who enjoy the whole culture, who, who want to fight and they're completely not, ideological and in some ways that's created more of a it's created more of a problem for for law enforcement because um they're more difficult to track right so groups who have who have an ideology behind them um especially a right-wing ideology they tend to be very organized they tend to be um you know almost military-like disciplined when they go and they engage, they, they always have a way, a way out so that they can kind of run. Um, some of these other groups, uh, on the other hand, they don't, it, it's more, it's more random. Um, they end up getting caught. They tend to come from some of the more impoverished outskirts of Rome. Um, a lot of them are people who are probably involved in microcriminality of some kind. Um, and so they've presented kind of a different, a different sort of challenge uh, for police. Um, 
now in terms of the people who were who were involved on um in, in with, with with the events in in at anfield one of the one of the interesting things i was told and which hasn't fully been reported here is people say they're associated with uh, with this group called called fedayeen which yeah. was actually originally um not a right wing group it was originally a left wing group uh that may or may not be true i think the associations my understanding is that it's it's pretty nominal and that these guys are actually more of the more of the random violence type people um what was also interesting and i i don't know if you guys have spoken to to, to law enforcement or whatever is that these guys were uh, they, they arrived at Liverpool Lime Street Station, um, and their whole journey was was tracked. Right, these people had tickets, mm. um, and I was told that some of the football intelligence people who were there with Roma um, and had been tracking them, they they advised Liverpool police that you know, right, these guys are going to be coming. They, they they tipped them off about sort of two groups, one of whom. There's a much larger group which ended up going to the dock, and they're the group that was ultimately escorted to to Anfield. Some of your listeners probably probably saw them. Um, this other group, uh, that group was about 200 people. This other group of about 50 people. They they arrived at the train station, and my understanding is there was nobody there to to greet them or track them or follow them. In other words, they sort of completely lost them. Um, as they kind of wandered around town and, um, and equally, and again, I didn't realize this until, until the following day, um, after their attack, uh, and obviously, you know, other than some stewards, there was, there wasn't much of a police presence there probably because it was so close to kick off and it was the cop end and, and, and whatever. Um, these guys just kind of walked around the ground and they went into, um, they, they went into the, the, the stand allocated to the Roma fans and they watched the game. And that's when they were arrested. They were identified with obviously with CCTV and whatever. And they were apprehended either during or immediately after the game as, as, as they were leaving. Um, and I think that raise, raises questions about, you know, how do you police this? And was the cooperation between the two police forces um, what it should have been ahead of time, and could this have been avoided to some degree? Yeah, um, and th- those same questions will now exist uh, about the return. Like, obviously, um, um, we're all waiting to see about you know what the results of this meeting between you know Liverpool and officials over in Rome today uh, brings. But I just wanted to talk as well about. I mean, I think it's really important. A message we always try to get out there is that you know Liverpool. Uh, fans ourselves have suffered from you know an image problem and, and, and people sort of tarring everyone with the same brush uh, over behavior and what have you and i think it's important to say you know the same thing exists with roma and that they have these ultra ultra groups they also have perfectly normal fans who just want to watch football and, and you know and the club itself has tried to take some measures hasn't it to sort of disrupt their culture over the years if you like in terms of the ground and also as well, you know, you said in your piece about the, the, the Roma president, uh, Jim Palotta, famously calling the ultras idiots and assholes. So, you know, it, it's... I've, I've seen... Well, he, he, put a, he put the F word in front of it, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, 
there's this idea kicking around that you know sort of it's it's almost accepted part of the culture and everyone's shrugging the shoulders over in Rome about it. But I'm not sure that's entirely fair, is it? Um. Well, I mean, there's a couple of things to, 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 to say there. Uh, first of all, I know a lot of people, and I mean, look, I, you know, I could barely um, put on my trousers by myself in 1984, so I I, I can't speak for. For, for, for what happened then, I only know what what was been in the, what was in the papers then, and people gone back to it. I don't think that this event has anything to do with um, with the '84 final. I don't think um, Liverpool are particularly targeted. Um, I in that times piece, I, I listed all the clubs that had had supporters stabbed um, in Rome or or attacked, usually it's stabbings, and you know, as you guys saw, it's, it's like more than 25 clubs. Um, and other than the fact that, you know, it's English fans. And so obviously there's some level of, of history there too. Um, I, I don't think this plays into it, uh, very much at all. Um, I think it's just because, you know, that this has happened with, this has happened with everybody. Uh, or, or almost everybody who's, who's been to Rome. Um, so I, you're right. This has presented a problem. I think one factor is that um, in the past, I think there's been some level of, I don't want to use the word collusion, um, but you know, there's been this mindfulness that uh, ultras are, you know, your more, most passionate following or the people will always be there home and away. And so you as a club, you're better off engaging them than ignoring them. And in the past at some clubs, I think probably to, to, to some degree at Roma as well, but we're talking a long time ago. Um, you know, there was an idea that, well, this is our section of the stadium. We can act with impunity here. Um, certainly at other stadiums, um, or other clubs at Lazio, for example, um, you know, for a long time, uh, and there was a case at Juventus too, actually, where, you know, it emerged that these guys had access to tickets, some of them, which they would then resell for a profit. Um, you know, they had benefits in terms of travel and stuff like that helped by the club. And it was a way for the club to kind of keep them on side. Uh, the Lazio president, Claudio Tito was not a very nice man. He went to war with the Lazio ultras. And even today he, you know, he travels under armed guards because he's had, He's had death threats and and whatnot, and and at Roma as well, they really tried to they really tried to distance themselves. One thing that they did is, um, you know, they uh, they they introduced, and this was on the advice of the police, and people still debate whether it was good or bad. But in any case, they've been removed. But they introduced sort of the barriers to to separate the, the different areas of of their of their main stand where the where the ultras sit, and as a result, the ultras boycotted. Um, they, they boycotted matches for, for some 18 months. So you've had, um, you know, there, there definitely is, is a distance there. There's definitely, I mean, I was in touch with, with Roma. Um, they're very aware of, of the need to, um, you know, to, 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 to make sure that this kind of shit doesn't happen. Um, and I think the Rome ultras are also an unusual breed within ultras culture in Italy. Um, some, God, this is going back maybe like 10 years, there was a, there was a national meeting of, of ultras groups, which, um, in Italy, which, 
which, which everybody attended. And that's when everybody, both the only cultures that weren't there were uh, Verona and Lazio because nobody engages with Lazio. But all the ultras groups, barring one or two, including Roma, they kind of agreed sort of some kind of ground rules, one of which was no attacks on civilians and um, and no uh, no knives. And now some of these ultras groups, let's be clear, I'm not saying that they're saints and many of these other clubs, some of these people are, you know, downright criminals who, who do all sorts of things. Um, but the fact that the Roma ultras did not, uh, or, or the Roma ultras groups who were there said, well, you're not going to tell us what to do. Uh, we're not going to abide by this pact. Um, you know, I think was, was very telling. And, and that some of these people are a bit of a, you know, they're, they're a law unto themselves. And, and the challenge is how do you police this? And so they, they definitely have a plan. Um, and one thing I want to say too, and, and I appreciate everybody tends to spin, you know, uh, all, all the, the stakeholders here. But when I saw this reported as like, you know, it's an extraordinary, unprecedented meeting, blah, blah, blah. It's not unprecedented. The exact same people met on Saturday before the trip to Anfield to come up with a security plan for Roma's visit to Anfield. It's standard practice that UEFA puts into place, you know, with, with the two police forces and the clubs um before every before every european game is all the more so obviously when it's such a big game and uh and you have two at risk sets of fans um and and i know that and, and i hope that they, they thrash everything out today because you know i think the way that this is going to be policed and i have some information on that um i i think is, is quite important in in, in ensuring that, that everybody remains safe yeah, I mean, one thing on that, I don't know if you've seen this overnight, um, there was some reporting in Italy yesterday um, about 1,000 uh, dangerous Liverpool fans heading for Rome. Um, this, this was reported in one of the newspapers and then picked up by a website and, you know, it, it, it spreads out as things do these days. Um I personally questioned this when I seen it online and, and had a bit of a backwards and forwards and it appeared to have stemmed from a, a news agency in Italy and then the news agency was saying no more than it's from police sources. Now, obviously, from, from this end of things, we're not aware of a, a thousand dangerous supporters running around following Liverpool. Um, there have been no arrests of Liverpool fans in Europe this season. Um, and also, obviously, we have banning orders and, and things like that in place in England as well. So it it doesn't seem to sort of chime with our knowledge of Liverpool fans. And so there's a little bit of a worry that things like that appearing in the press in Italy sets a kind of tone for, you know, the arrival of Liverpool fans. And, you know, some Chelsea fans joined the same conversation and said this happened to us as well. You know, there was reports then of 2,000 hooligans headed for Rome when Chelsea played there. So, you know... I wonder what your thoughts are really on that and, and where that's coming from and this idea of police sources. So a couple of things here, right? Um, first of all, there's a basic miscommunication um, and there's a basic sort of provincialism in some of the reporting. Um, you know, I saw a tweet by a guy from the Liverpool Echo ahead of the extraordinary meeting who's saying like, well, they, you know, Liverpool must be really concerned and there must be that, you know, Roma are doing nothing for the security arrangements. And that's exactly, that's completely not the case. And in fact, you know, it's 
I think everybody knows the relationship between the Liverpool owners and the Roma owners. And all it would have taken was a phone call to, to Roma to establish exactly what they did before the first leg uh, when they also paid for um, a whole bunch of, of security consultants, former cops, to go and travel with them to monitor their own fans. And they monitored the, the group of 200 that were escorted from the docks to, uh, to Anfield. Um, that doesn't help on either side. I spoke to people from um, law enforcement in, in Rome um, on Wednesday and on and yesterday on Thursday. Uh, their reading was this. Nobody brought up a thousand dangerous hooligans. What they did say, our experience with, um, and obviously Liverpool have been there before, but our experience with English fan bases is that um, they, they tend to react when provoked. And that's a problem because also alcohol can be a problem and they sometimes kind of take ownership of, of towns, putting flags on places and, and, and things like that. Um, there is a minority of people who, um, who are look, who look to start trouble. Um, but we don't think that they'll be traveling with Liverpool. They're usually associated and he was talking more gen- generally about about English fans here. Yeah, they're more associated with different clubs. Um, he actually mentioned Birmingham, West Ham, and Chelsea, <laughs> which is kind of funny. But um, and they're not generally associated with Liverpool. Uh, their main fear is the fact that is, and then and, you know, I'm sure you'll get this advice from 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 the club itself if you're traveling. Their main fear isn't on the way to the game. Um, their main fear is the night before the day before, um, you know, groups of fans, you know, going out, um, going out to bars, drinking, being provoked and, uh, you know, on their own three or four and being attacked. That is, that is their single biggest, um, that, that is their single biggest concern. Um, and and obviously everybody's taking advice. I'm sure the majority of those traveling actually, you know, may have been there before. And those who haven't have certainly been, been, been sort of, uh, scared or aware enough that, you know, to follow instructions. Um, one of the debates is how do you police this? Right. And there was a, there was an interview with, with somebody I spoke to separately, but, and he made the point that, you know, in, in England, it tends to be sort of a lighter policing, um, and then you sort of intervene directly and take people out the minute somebody acts up. Um, they're not going to do that in Rome, and people, Liverpool fans, need to be prepared um, for this. Um, I've been told there's going to be close to a thousand um, police uh, at this game, and it's going to feel very militarized. Um, and you know, if people want to be safe, I think they're going to just have to swallow it and put up with it. They're going to, um, there's, I think there's likely to be an alcohol order. I think there wasn't a hundred percent, an alcohol ban as well, which again is also problematic because in a city of 4 million, you can always get booze if you want it, even if there's a banning order. But, um, and I think there's going to be a meeting point, most likely at uh, Villa Borghese, which is a park across uh, across the river from the stadium. And they're going to want 
Liverpool fans to kind of meet there, be there before the game, and they will be escorted under under heavy police presence and kind of marched um, across the bridge to the stadium. Um, and, you know, I think some people are going to complain that, you know, why can't we be treated as adults and whatever? And, you know, that's, <laughs> that's the price you pay. That is how they're going to, that is how they're going to police it. They've got a very specific plan in place. Like I said, this business of the, this business of the 1000, you know, dangerous fans, um, who the hell knows where it comes from. I, I don't doubt that somebody in a police force would have said that. Um, because it kind of justifies them, you know, tooling up and getting all militarized and, um, and, and doing this, you know? Um, but what I said, what I would say is it works both ways. You know, I, and you guys have monitored this closely. Let me ask you, has anybody asked the Liverpool police about those 50 fans who arrived at the train station? And did nobody see them with the, did you just lose them between Lime Street and and Anfield? Um, Was there nobody around when the attack occurred? Was there, how did they then just walk up and walk into the game? Um, At what point, you know, and again, I'm not, I'm not a cop, right? Yeah. There's different ways of policing this, but I think it's very, I think that the, I think Liverpool fans more than anybody should know that it's good to have a healthy suspicion of what the police tell you, especially immediately after the fact, because they often don't have the full picture and sometimes they make mistakes too. And, you know, everybody kind of, I don't want to sound too cynical here, but everybody, everybody follows their own interests, right? So it's in my interest to say that there's a thousand tools up, you know, hardcore Liverpool hooligans incoming because that enables me to tool up and, and turn it into a mini police state. Um, by the same token, it's in everybody's interest to make it seem like these people just magically appeared there. Um, and you've done such a great policing job that you didn't know they were there and there was nobody at the cop end to go and to go and even catch them, you know, until afterwards during the game. Um, and, you know, that to me is a bit disappointing. I think everybody could benefit from from asking those hard questions. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think I've seen a lot of people sort of talking along those lines and and yet to really hear anything from from Merseyside police on it. So you know, will be interesting to see if they say something on that. Um I think that's been excellent, uh, Gabriel. Thanks very much for joining us and, and telling us a little bit more about, you know, the situation with, with Rome and the police and, you know, relaying some of those if, conversations you've had. If I can if I can say one more thing for fans are travelling. Um so Rome police have asked for every fan who's going, they've asked the, the I think they've, they've asked the club to provide their travel arrangements, where they're staying, um, when they're arriving, how they're getting there, whether by train or plane or whatever, what airport they're flying into. Um, they say it's really, really important to them. Um, I know as of yesterday, you know, they'd only had information for, for something like 1,700 of the traveling fans. Hopefully, they'll get information for more. I know some people might say, well, you know, civil liberties and all that, I can travel whichever way I want. Um, but I know that, you know, when you're there, you're kind of in their hands, yeah? So if people want to stay safe, it's definitely in your interest. If if 
if Liverpool ask you for that information, please do provide it to the club. Um, it makes it'll make the policing on the day a lot easier. It's going to help everybody. It's going to help everybody stay safe. Um, and the other thing that's I think pretty obvious to most. Um, there's a lot of sightseeing and stuff like that to be done in Rome. Um, if you're in the city center, if you go to the Vatican, I'm sure you'll be totally fine. But obviously, use common sense about where you go, especially at night, especially in certain areas. There's a ton of information out there. Uh, I'm sure the club will provide it. Please, please, you know, use common sense. This is not like, given what happened the first leg, this is not like any other um, away trip in, in recent years. Absolutely, that makes a lot lots of sense to me as well. I mean, we've you know I've put put something out there myself on one of our videos this week where I'd spoken to you know fans who'd been to Rome several times, and you've echoed some of the same thoughts there, Gavin. That you know you have to be common sense about this, so don't draw attention to yourself. Maybe don't be walking around Rome with huge lava beds on your chest and things like that. You know, don't don't make yourself a target and appreciate the situation you're in. Gabriel, thanks very much yeah. for joining us for that um, for that Anfield Rap special on the situation in Rome. Really appreciate you giving up some time for us. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Sports Social Podcast Network.